Thanks, Dave. Thanks, everyone. It's great to be with you. Thank you for that clap and uh, and cheer. As Dave said, actually, in Wales now, you can sing in church. Uh, it's just that after the football last night, we've got nothing to sing about. Um, but uh, that's the difference, right? And uh, we've got the Germans on Tuesday, haven't we? Anyway, that's not the point of this message. Um, but uh, let's be in prayer. Uh, <laughs> but it is great to be here today. And I want to share a message which I've entitled, Making the Turn making the turn because life is about moments where we have to make a turn, we have to transition, we have to go around a corner from one reality that we've been living in through to another. And I've found certainly in my life those can be the most stressful and challenging whilst also exciting and adventurous moments in life. Do you know what I mean? I mean that might be ranging from starting a new school, a new job, to moving house, to becoming a Christian, uh, making a turn to Jesus Christ and living that new life out. Uh, starting a new ministry or getting involved. You know, these are the moments where we're stepping into something new. And obviously at the moment, in our reality, uh, we are moving out of some of the restrictions we've been in and we're making a turn into new freedoms or recovering freedoms and living a new life. And I want to bring a message called Making the Turn to help us transition as we move around that corner, noting that it's a challenging time. It can be a stressful time when we face change But I believe God wants his people to step forwards with confidence into the future and to have a fresh sense of adventure about God's call on our lives. Amen. Not to get caught living in the past or trying to hold on to things that need to move where we need to move on from, but stepping forwards in faith. Now, that's the sort of the headline of the message, because God is with us. We can make the turn with confidence. That's the headline of the message, because God is with us. We can make the turn with confidence. But that headline needs to be unpacked. And so often I find it's a character in the Bible. When we take hold of Scripture, what we find is numerous examples of people who have had to live out the things we're called to live out. And the same qualities that they displayed are the qualities we need in our lives today. And the particular character I want to zoom in on is a man called Caleb. And his story plays out in the Old Testament, Numbers 13 and 14, we're going to look at if you want to turn to them. But before or as you turn there, before we read the text, I want to put the text in context, (laughs) because uh, that for me is how you make the most sense of the detail. So come come with me over to this whiteboard and I'll show you my extraordinary artistic skills, uh, which are uh, firstly that I can draw a tree. Um, Does that look like a tree to you? Pretty impressive, isn't it? Your stunned silence. Um, but anyway, this tree represents the tree of life. God in the beginning made the world good. But as things go wrong, as people turn from God, he then calls a man called Abraham, we'll call him Abe for short, to bring hope back to the story. And in particular, that Abraham's descendants, who will become the nation of Israel, that God is going to bless the world again through his family. And that plays out right through, obviously, to the Messiah. Jesus Christ. But before we get there, we notice that the story then takes a turn downwards as Joe, Joseph, one of Abraham's, in fact, Abraham's great grandson, takes the family of Israel down to Egypt where they are enslaved for 400 years, which is a long time to be in severe levels of restriction. 400 years before God then, the faithful God, as he promised, brings them out through an event known as the Exodus. If Joe took them down, it's Mo who brings them out of Egypt. And the call on these people is then to enter 
the promised land, right? That's the call of God. The same land, notice the symmetry, the same land that God had promised to Abraham centuries earlier. Now, here's the point. Caleb, where does he fit in? Well, he fits in precisely at this moment in Israel's history, all right? This is Caleb, and this is so important for us to see. Israel needs to make a turn. You can literally visually see it. They need to make a turn from living in one reality, slaves in Egypt, under restriction. They now are coming out of that. God's bringing them out and he's got fresh purpose for them and they need to make a turn. They need to come round the corner of one reality and into another, living, as we'll see, in the promised land. Now, as you see that visually, does that not speak to our moment now in history where we also are called by God to make a turn? What kind of qualities do we need to display to come round the corner with confidence uh, in Jesus Christ. Well, Caleb in Numbers 13, you can read with me or watch or, or look at it on the screen. Caleb was then sent into the promised land. They're right on the brink of the promised land. God authorizes a reconnaissance mission. Twelve spies go in to check out the land of Canaan and report back to the others before everyone goes in. That was the idea. And Caleb was one of those spies. And they return to Moses with a report. So listen now as I read from Numbers. That's the context. This is the text that then speaks about faith and fear, which we're going to unpack together. We read in Numbers 13, The spies reported back and said to Moses, We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. And they literally brought back huge grapes uh, from the land as great fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. So there's great fruit and there's a great fight that they're going to have if they go in. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the other spies said, Oh no, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. They said, the land we explore devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. And that night, all the community raised their voices and wept aloud. But Joshua and Caleb tore their clothes and said, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. <laughs> yes, round of applause for Caleb. Now, you can hear in that reading the voices of fear. We can't do this. And the voices of faith, Caleb and Joshua, we can do this. And then we hear the voice of God who brings it all to a conclusion. And this is the crucial verse. God declares, because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. Notice that different spirit. What is that different spirit? Because whatever it is, it helped Caleb get round the, round the corner. He made the turn because of the different spirit. So if we're going to make the turn into what God has for us next, we need whatever this different spirit is. And I want to summarize it in three points. That actually are an echo of the New Testament verse, famous in 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul says, These three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. These enduring qualities that God is looking for from Caleb in his day and from us today are faith, hope, and love. But we start with love, the greatest of these. 
And firstly, make the point that we need the kind of love that Caleb displays that puts God in first place, a wholehearted love for the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we don't know much about Caleb. He's not mentioned much in the Bible, but five times in the few verses we have, he's described as being wholehearted for the Lord. That's what God says is the different spirit because my servant follows me wholeheartedly. So that is the, the absolutely essential quality for those who will make the turn into God's purposes is that the first and foremost thing about them is that God is the first and foremost thing about them. That they are living for the audience of one. They are less aware and less afraid of what other people think. I'm not saying they're not aware and they're not afraid because that's to be human. But no one wants social embarrassment or to be humiliated or to be rejected. None of us want that. But there is this quality of existence that says whilst I feel that, I'm actually more aware, more concerned about being in God's favour than everybody else's. Amen? And, and that actually, will, as we'll see, Caleb is therefore prepared to silence the people. That's literally a phrase in our reading. He silenced the people because he's not ultimately afraid of everybody else. He lives with a healthy fear of the Lord. That is what it means to be wholehearted. Or as God says of Caleb, he describes him as my servant, Caleb. You know, it, it is possible to be genuinely saved because that depends not on what we have done, but on what he has done, Jesus Christ. It's possible to be saved by Jesus, but not to be living as a servant of Jesus. And actually, that is a, a tense reality because you end up with your foot in two camps. You, on the one hand, you are wanting to follow the Lord. You know that he saved you. But on the other hand, you're still following the crowd or wanting to please yourself or too many other people. And you get a bit caught. You know, you're in a relationship with Jesus, but you're also perhaps in another relationship that's a bit toxic and leading you astray. Or you're in a relationship with the Lord that means you want to give to him, but you're also caught in financial greed or compromise. You're in a relationship with the Lord on the one hand, but you're also too afraid to tell anyone else about that. So you feel like a compromised Christian because you're kind of pretending. And it's like this spiritual split is a really painful way to do the Christian life. We're not only to be saved by the Lord, but we are to be servants of the Lord who say, I am living wholehearted, not half-hearted, but wholehearted for Jesus Christ. And whatever else is going to get us round the corner, whatever else will mean we can make the turn from one reality to another, whatever that means for you and for our world right now, it means first and foremost that we put God in first place, a quality of wholehearted love that says, Lord Jesus Christ, you are my all. You are in first place. You go in as the big rock in my life and everything else will fit in around you. Wholehearted love that puts God in first place. Amen. I love this quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He uh, was, lived a relatively short life because he was executed by the Nazis for speaking against Hitler and his regime. And Bonhoeffer, what gives a man the courage to do that, even to execution? Bonhoeffer says, Our hearts have room only for one all-embracing devotion, and we can only cleave to one Lord. May that be the Lord Jesus Christ. Love puts God in first place, but then after that we see faith. Faith that puts fear in its place. Faith puts fear in its place. See, what then unfolds in the story that we read 
is a conversation, really, between what fear sounds like and what faith sounds like. And the result of that conversation will be a decision. Can we do what God's calling us to do or not? Will we step forwards into the brave new world or won't we? That's the conversation that leads to a decision. And you find in that conversation a really helpful almost unpacking of what is faith and what is fear. And let's start by saying what they're not. Faith is not pretending. Faith is not ignoring the facts. Did you notice that Caleb and Joshua, who speak faith, were part of the reconnaissance mission who stared hard at the facts and then reported them back? They didn't pretend that there were no giants in the land or that the cities weren't fortified. That's just reality, right? And faith is not pretending. We don't need to, faith is never afraid of the facts. Let's just say that right out. We don't need to pretend or hide or close our eyes to the fact that we're facing a real uncertainty in our world. And there's probably lots of challenges around the corner. You know, we believe in a God who sees round corners, but we don't see round corners. And therefore we live with this uncertainty and that's just real and that's life. And faith is not pretending that there's nothing challenging happening. What is faith then? Well, you see it in the way that they speak about, beyond the facts, they speak about the circumstances. And here's the key. Do we bring God into the equation or do we leave him out? You know, faith is prepared to look at the facts, but faith also sees the facts within the larger context that God is for us. (laughs) And that's going to frame the decision we make in the light of the facts. So we need to take on board the facts, not least about COVID and the facts about whatever the risks may be. But we also need to say, but, but then what, is, what difference does it make that God is with us and for us? And, and whatever challenges we're facing in our lives, we will face those challenges and we will make our decisions not out of fear, but out of faith. We might feel some fear. That's pretty human. It's okay to feel the fear, but we will not make our decisions out of it. It won't dictate what we can and can't do. That will be about following God's call. Now, you see this played out because the fearful voices go beyond the facts in their reporting and they start to speak out their fear. Did you notice in the passage, whilst everyone's happy to, Caleb as well, to talk about the facts, the the other spies start to speak mythology. They make things up that aren't true. They say, The land we explored devours people. Well, hang on a minute. (laughs) Dust can't eat people, right? Dirt can't swallow people. Now you're not speaking facts. Now you're just speaking out your fear. Now you're creating mythology. Now you're conjuring up scenarios that don't actually exist. We seemed like grasshoppers in their eyes. Well, no, that's not a fact. That's now your fear interpreting the facts in a fearful direction. And did you notice how... How pervasive this is. By, that, by nightfall, the whole camp is fearful and crying to God. Or crying, actually, they're not crying to God, that's the point. Their whole camp is crying out in fear. Fear spreads. And the voices of fear can conjure up scenarios that don't actually exist. Have you experienced this in your life? You can find yourself in the late hours of the night or early hours of the morning when you can't sleep, rehearsing and conjuring up scenarios. And actually, in the cold light of day, you'd have to be honest and say, actually, that isn't yet a fact that I'm facing. It may never become a fact that I will ever face, but I seem to have been worrying about things that don't actually exist. Listen, we could waste a lot of our time and energy on that, or we can put our faith and confidence in God. Now, what does that look like? Well, Caleb silences the people. He silences the voices of fear. He says, I'm not going to give the microphone. I'm prepared to listen to the facts, but I'm not giving the microphone to fear. No, no, the facts that you're omitting, 
the other 10 spies, is that God is with us. That's, that's what Caleb says, isn't it? Here's the message's version of it. In Numbers 14, the message puts it this way. If God is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land. So don't be afraid of these people. Why, we'll have them for lunch. <laughs> they have no protection. God is on our side. Don't be afraid of them. Amen. What does Romans 8 put it? If God is for us, who can be against us? And he goes on to say, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. I mean, if he's done that, if we've been bought with the blood of Jesus, if we've been adopted into the family of God, if we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, how will he not also, along with that, graciously give us all things? So that's the fundamental confidence that we have. And when fear comes knocking at the door, we have to recognize we're going to feel some fear, but we have to introduce these higher truths. God is for us. And even if we're going to have something of a running conversation with fear in our lives, we're not going to make our decisions out of fear. We're going to make our decisions out of faith. That's the kind of person that can make the turn into a brave new world and step forward with a boldness just as Caleb does. I wonder what kind of turn you need to make. Maybe it's making a turn from living in your own way to living for Jesus Christ, to put your faith in Christ for the first time. Maybe you've already done that, but you need to make a turn back to a regular commitment now to the church, or maybe it's a, a, make a turn back to financial giving or whatever it might be that I don't know about you, but I found in lockdown, it's actually been almost hard to stay sharp in spiritual disciplines because you can find yourself becoming a bit soft and that's not a good thing, you know, for a Christian. We're not called to be soft. Maybe you have soft hearts, but we're called to have a certain resilience and robustness to our faith. And I don't know about you, but it's hard sometimes when you're not, I mean, in the early days, we weren't even allowed out very far at all, were we? But, but now, you know, the world's opening up and I don't want to get caught feeling almost that I'm still stuck in a reality that I don't need to live in anymore. I need to, you know, I remember finding in myself, for some reason, I'd stop fasting after a few months. I don't know, where, where does the logic come that because of lockdown, you can't still fast? It's like, there's no logic in that. Toughen up a bit, you know? I don't, I don't mean for the sake of it, in some macho way. I mean, because these spiritual disciplines put strength back in our souls, you know? And, and actually, this is, this is part of how we deal with fear, is that we do the things... We make decisions of faith that do the things that call to mind the promises of God that he is for us and we're not backing down. Well, that's faith. And that's what Caleb displays. And they lived happily ever after <laughs> would be a nice way to finish the message. But that's not true, actually. I want to land one final point because it doesn't finish there. The third point is hope. Faith, hope and love and a hope that never gives up is the third point. You see, come back with, the, with me to the board. And what we find is, despite the fact that in this critical moment in Israel's history, despite the fact that Caleb spoke faith, actually it was the voices of fear that won the day and Israel turned back into the wilderness. They slammed their story into reverse and they didn't make the turn. And Caleb had to go with them. And so he spent 40 years wandering around in the wilderness with the very people who'd screwed it up for him. Isn't that an extraordinary reality to have to live with? You know, where you feel like you were just, you just thought, just as you thought it was opening up and you could move on, suddenly you're back in again and it's confusing and disorientating and frustrating. And yet, and yet, 
40 years later. So, so you do that for 40 years. What kind of a man do you think you would meet in Caleb 40 years later? Well, listen to this. He's speaking now to Joshua. He's now 85 years of age and he says this. Now then, <laughs> I love that. Now then, where were we 40 years on? <laughs> now then, just as the Lord promised, he's kept me alive for 45 years. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. So give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I'll drive them out just as he said. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb ever since because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. There's that word again. But what an amazing old man, don't you think? I mean, what an extraordinary vision of hope. A hope that never gives up. You know, we've seen him in his fiery moment 45 years earlier of love for the Lord, wholehearted and of faith. We can certainly do this. But what does he look like 45 years later when he's just been round so many times of frustration? He looks like a man who's still never left his, lost his hope in God. And I want to encourage us, you know, we've been round a few loops of frustration and maybe some of those will continue. Who knows? But we will not lose our hope. That resource of the soul that says we're not giving up. If God's promised, he's good to his word and we're not giving up on what he said. We're not going to become bitter. We're not going to become demoralized. We're not going to become disillusioned and frustrated and just start playing it safe. Listen to this man. I'm still as vigorous. (laughs) 85 years of age. Let me at them. I love it. Where does that spirit come from? It comes from a man who's kept his spirit fresh in God in, in the wilderness times and he's ready for fresh adventure. Doesn't it slightly redefine your answer to that question, how old are you? I know we're not meant to ask each other that, but just imagine, you know, someone asks you today, how old are you? And there's a couple of ways to answer that, aren't there? You could answer that by how many birthdays you've had. That's the traditional answer. But I just think Caleb redefines the answer a bit because he's had 85 birthdays, but spiritually he's an 18 year old, isn't he? He's so energetic. He's so much spiritual vigor. He's so up for the next adventure that you you can't really answer the question how old you are in the same way when you've really looked hard at this example. And I wonder whether that means for us, you know, I've experienced this where you meet someone who's older in years, but they've got more enthusiasm. Life's challenges haven't left them dampening down everybody else and saying, oh, you'll learn. Life's not as easy as that. You know, I think of one old man, Edward, who was part of the church I used to lead. And, you know, honestly, he'd, he'd had a really tough life, actually. It wasn't that he'd been sheltered at all. But in our prayer meetings, no one had more faith. No one was more up for the t- challenge of mission than Edward was. 85 years of age he was, and no one had more enthusiasm than that man. And it's a wonderful reminder. You can be old, and yet you can be full of spiritual adventure. And it's a warning. You can be young, and you can have lost your sense of adventure. You know, it's possible just to get a mortgage and a couple of kids and think that now you, you, know, you, know, you just need to play it all safe and sort of lock down into safe mode. You become a spiritual pensioner aged 30 right? When I ask how old you are, I'd like you to think less about how many birthdays you've had. How much spiritual adventure are you up for? How much, of a, how much risk are you prepared to take? How much are you prepared to follow the call of Jesus Christ into the world? That's the real answer to the question, how old are you? God is calling us. Amen. <laughs>
God is calling us to fresh adventure. I do believe that. And I don't mean it's going to be easy. There are very real giants in the land, right? There's big grapes, but there's big giants as well. But God is calling us to make the turn. And there are three qualities that remain. They were true of Caleb and they remain for us. Love is the greatest of all. Wholehearted love that puts God in first place. And then faith that can put fear in its place. If God is for us, we're not going to make our decisions out of fear. But then a hope, a hope that never gives up. And I'd like to pray these qualities over us because I think this is a message that, you know, on the one hand, it's true every time and all time, but it's particularly true at this moment. The church of Jesus Christ needs to make a turn. We individually need to make a turn. Our nation is turning from one set of restrictions to another. And in that turn, we need to be those who display a hope and a confidence and a faith in Jesus. So if you feel that fresh challenge today, perhaps you'd like to just stand with me so we could be a bit more active. Would you stand? I'd like to lead us in prayer before the band lead us in the closing song. But maybe just lift your hands to the Lord if you know that you're sensing, yeah, I do need to make a turn. And I have become a bit soft spiritually. And I do want to step up again for adventure. And I don't want to be old before my time. I don't want to become a pensioner in the kingdom just because life is challenging. Lord, I want to step into the adventure that you're calling me to. Heavenly Father, we lift our hands to you because we are very frail and human and fallen in our natural selves. But we are also in Christ, adopted into the family of God, sealed with the Holy Spirit, bought with the blood. We are in Christ Jesus and in Christ we want, Lord, to step forwards, not backwards. We don't want to be caught playing it safe, but stepping into the adventure of your call. And so we lift our hands to you, Lord. And I pray firstly for those who are in some form of compromise. Maybe today you need to make the turn to Jesus Christ. You've actually just wandered away from Jesus and you're back in church, but you're not yet back to Christ personally and clearly. And I just urge you, lift your hands now and give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Make the turn to Jesus. And Lord, for others of us, it's fear that has bullied us and we've become a bit passive and indifferent and maybe a bit playing it safe. And we lift our hands to you, Lord, to say we may feel the fear, but we want to make our decisions in faith. Lord, help us to put you back into the centre of our lives and to not give the microphone to fear, to not waste our lives on circumstances that we've conjured up through fear. May we instead step out in faith and with a hope, Lord, that never gives up. Thank you that your promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And we as a church lift our hands to you, Lord, and we say we will step forwards into everything you've got for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.